Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. I said to my husband, I don't feel quite right, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it, to be honest. So I went to bed and then, you know, as far as I can say, I had a pretty normal night's sleep. And then in the morning, it's about four o'clock in the morning, um, my husband got up to go to the bathroom, turned the light on and I came to as well. And then he sort of said to me, are you okay? I, I, I thought I replied, but then he nudged me again and said, are you okay? So he called the ambulance and I got whisked into A&E. Um, the rest of it, to be honest with you, is a bit of a blur. But I'd had a major stroke which was caused by the dissection of cottage artery in my neck. No idea how it happened. Couldn't do a thrombectomy or anything because they didn't know when it started because I'd been asleep. Ended up having a craniotomy, which means they took away part of my skull to reduce to remove the clot in my head. And I ended up in hospital. Well, I was in Dereford Hospital in Plymouth for four weeks, something like that, four or five weeks. And then I got transferred to a rehab unit. I was in a unit called Mount Gould, which is in Plymouth, and I had f- intense physio, so it was basically, they did a programme for me, so I had physios a few days, had OT during the day, and I had psychology, as sort of neuropsychologist who saw me as well at different intervals, so my day would evolve, revolve around a bit of physio, a bit of psychology, a bit of OT work. I did manage to walk again in, in rehab, so I got me walking again with a stick was left with left side hemiplegia so the left side of my body is paralyzed but I have managed to as I said I've managed to get walking again but my left arm has never recovered. It's been a mixed bag to be honest I mean I've thrown myself into it one of the things I really wanted to do was get back into the gym which I have done so I'm still I'm back in the gym lifting weights but it's adapted so I have to get sort of different straps and things to help my left arm to work. Hello, Mark Goodyear here. Welcome to Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. Today we'll hear from Sally Antrobus. Sally is from Plymouth and suffered a stroke at the age of 45. Been married now for 25 years. I've got three children, ranging from, at the time, they were ranging from sort of 19 to 12. I used to teach accountancy, actually, so I used to lecture at the university for a while. And I also was a tutor for a smaller college where students were learning how to be accountants doing, a, doing an AAT qualification. I was very into my sports. I went to the gym and I used to do a lot of weight training in the gym. I've been doing that for years. I also ran quite a bit. So I'd done a couple of half marathons, 10Ks, things like that. So I'd run about three times a week and get to the gym as well, about two or three times a week if I could. So I was pretty active and very healthy, I thought. So that's good. A stroke, it actually happened in the middle of the night. And the day before had been a normal day for me. I'd taken my son to football. I've been out to see my dad because it was his 70th birthday. So I'd been out to see him and had a normal evening, family evening with the kids and things. And I had to be feeling, something was, I said to my husband, I don't feel quite right, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it, to be honest. So I went to bed and then, you know, as far as I can say, I had a pretty normal night's sleep. And then in the morning, it's about four o'clock in the morning, um, my husband got up to go to the bathroom, turned the light on and I came to as well. 
And then he sort of said to me, are you okay? And I, I, I thought I replied, but then he nudged me again and said, are you okay? And again, I thought I replied. And then he went and turned the light on in the, in the bedroom. My face had dropped. He saw my face had dropped. So he called an ambulance and I got Western to A&E. Um, the rest of it, to be honest with you, is a bit of a blur. But I'd had a major stroke, which was caused by the dissection of carotid artery in my neck. No idea how it happened. Couldn't do a thrombectomy or anything because they didn't know when it started because I'd been asleep. Ended up having a craniotomy, which means they took away part of my skull to reduce to remove the clot in my head. And I ended up in hospital. Well, I was in Dereford Hospital in Plymouth for four weeks, something like that, four or five weeks. And then I got transferred to a rehab unit in Plymouth, which I was there for three months. So I got back in, that was December 2020. I got back home in March 2021. I was in hospital. My husband being there just telling me to be strong. That's the first memory I've got. Other than that, a couple, I've got a few little memories of being on the ward, having nurses running around me, sort of, and things like that. But the rest of it is a complete blur, to be honest. Sally was in a rehab centre for three months. I was in a unit called Mount Gould, which is in Plymouth, and I had f- intense physio. So it was basically, they did a programme for me. So I had physio a few days, had OT during the day, and I had psychology as sort of neuropsychologist who saw me as well at different intervals. So my day would evolve, revolve around a bit of physio, a bit of psychology, a bit of OT work. I did manage to walk again in, in rehab, so I got me walking again with a stick. Um, I just remember doing loads and loads of exercises. Because I was used to exercising, I just treated it like being at the gym, really, so I just went and threw myself into it. So by the time I left, I was walking, not on my own with a stick, but managing to get around the, the room I was in and things. I wasn't able to shower myself or anything, so all that's... And they told me at the time of the stroke I wouldn't retrieve, wouldn't get back my left arm, and I haven't... I shouldn't... I should have said, really, I'm was left with left side hemiplegia. So the left side of my body is paralysed. But I have managed to, as I said, I've managed to get walking again, but my left arm has never recovered. It's been a mixed bag, to be honest. I mean, I've thrown myself into it. One of the things I really wanted to do was get back into the gym, which I have done. So I'm still, I'm back in the gym lifting weights, but it's adapted. So I have to get sort of stiffened straps and things to help my left arm to work, to get some lift on my left side. So I do a seated deadlift, for example, which is great fun. Um, so yeah, I'll just throw myself into as much as I can do, really, so I get to the gym. I've started swimming again, but I can only kick my legs, but I swim. And apart from that, around the house. I mean, I can walk around the house without my stick now, so I can be a bit more... I'm very mobile around the house, up and down the stairs and things. But practical things like doing housework and things is just I can't cook. I can't do much washing or anything like that because you need both hands to do that. And obviously, only having one arm makes it very difficult. So life is very different. I'm not working. So I just do, I basically throw myself into my rehab. I still have physio once or twice a week. Go to the gym three times a week. And all of this is aided by support workers because I can't drive. So I have support workers who come and take me everywhere and look after me and help me out. So, yeah. So I've done really, I have done really well with my rehab, to be honest. I've done better than I thought the doctors expected me to, but it still feels like it's a very different type of life. Sally doesn't think she'll return to work. I would love to, but I think it's very unlikely, to be honest. One of the things with my since the stroke is I really struggle with multitasking and sort of overstimulation. It just means I just can't, my brain just can't, just completely goes into a fuzz. So things like too much noise, lights, everyone talking to me at the same time. All those things, my fo- my brain just cannot focus on one thing at a time. So 
everything just becomes a big mush and I can't because I can't just can't follow what's going on at all so it becomes a headache to be honest and brain fog I suppose is a good way of describing it and then I just get anything done so if you ask me to to follow a conversation in a room with lots of people and bright lights and things I just wouldn't be able to do it I wouldn't be able to tell you what was going on and who said what or what the conversation was and my job has had lots of different aspects elements to it so I just don't think I could cope with all the different elements of it to be honest so I don't think I will return to work. I would absolutely love to, but I've kind of written it off, really. I'm doing some volunteering, so I volunteer instead for one of the stroke charities. I'm volunteering for the Stroke Association, and I got involved because I was struggling with purpose. I needed to find some purpose to my day, having been used to working all the time. And um, I just inquired with the Stroke Association for if they needed volunteers, and they did. So I got involved with it that way, really. So what I do is they have a service where they, people can, stroke survivors or carers can sign up to a telephone call once a week um, with a stroke survivor. And I, I do the phone calls once a week with someone just to give them a bit of support and a bit of company. So it's great. So it's something I can do from home. It doesn't take up a lot of time and it's as good for me as it is for the person receiving the phone call really soon. It doesn't require me to organise my time, which I struggle with a little bit, but I'm getting better at it. So, Coming up, Sally talks about the support of friends and family. The kids have been brilliant. I mean, they do rate, they do get fed up when I ask them to do things all the time, but actually they get on with it and they've been very, very supportive. They've had to step up, to be honest, and get on with things a bit more than they would have done otherwise. Taking it all in their stride, which is good. I couldn't get through the day without my friends. They are so good. Some I've got a few that take me out regularly, out for coffee and things like that, which is lovely. They come and see me a lot. And always on the end of the phone, if I need some help, I need a bit of support, they're always there to give me just a couple of messages to pick me up or something. So I'd, I'd be lost without my friends, to be honest. And what she's learned from other stroke survivors. People will say, oh, yeah, I know someone who had a stroke and they're doing this, that and the other. But people just don't understand that two strokes are never the same and somebody's... The two recoveries are never going to be the same either. So I find that incredibly frustrating when you're talking to other people. Other than that, people get frustrated with tiredness, the fatigue, the newer fatigue, which is awful. And again, hit me quite late, really, but I really feel it now if I have a bad, if I have a busy, my week's busy with the gym and physio and things like that. But I can certainly feel by Thursday, Friday, I'm really starting to struggle. Let's get Sally's update on her recovery progress. Present day, I'm... I, I still have I've done good days and bad days to be honest. Um, emotionally, things are still pretty tough. I find mentally I still struggle because just get you know just I mean I've kind of got my head around it all, but then you have suddenly have a day where you really like Christmas is difficult because there's so much wrapping to do and I can't do any of that. There's so much organisation to do which I can't do. I just feel just feel a bit out of it. Or you get reminded all of a sudden about what's happened. So. So I get frustrated that I can't do all the things I used to do. I can't be the mum I used to be and things like that, really. So. But on the whole, I, I just take one day at a time, keep myself busy as much as I can with my volunteering and other, you know, read. I read a lot, read a lot, listen to podcasts and sort of just see friends and just find as much as I can do during the day to keep me busy, really. I mean, my husband has been amazing. He's He's taken over all the sort of, we had a very traditional sort of setup beforehand. He was at work and I was at home looking after the kids. I did work, but a lot of my time was 
looking after the kids and the house and all that sort of jazz. And he's had to take all of that over. So I can't do it anymore. So he's, which he's done brilliantly. So he's been incredibly supportive. Obviously he's out at work during the day, so he's not home a lot. And the kids have been brilliant. I mean, they do rate, they do get fed up when I ask them to do things all the time, but actually they get on with it and they've been in very, very supportive. They've had to step up, to be honest, and get on with things a bit more than they would have done otherwise. Taking it all in their stride, which is good. I couldn't get through the day without my friends. They are so good. Some I've got a few that take me out regularly, out for coffee and things like that, which is lovely. They come and see me a lot. And always on the end of the phone, if I need some help, I need a bit of support, they're always there to give me just a couple of messages to pick me up or something. So I'd be lost without my friends, to be honest. And Sally has plenty of recovery goals. One of the things I miss loads is being able to get outside to have a family dog walk. So I would love to be able to get up to Dartmoor and have a bit of a walk with the dog and the family. I think I'm almost there. It's just a challenge to be outside, the, the sort of cha- change in you know, walking outside and the different surfaces and things is quite difficult. So that's one of my goals. I'm also trying all the time to get more and more independent. So being able to shower myself and dress myself is a big is a big goal because I still need a carer every morning to come and help me do that. So I'm working on that. Um, I'm st- just carrying on working in the gym and get do as much as I can in the gym. Really, we're always finding ways to be able to do things. One day I would like to do a disabled strength competition as well. So that's another goal, which I'm hoping will happen maybe this year. I can do 77 and a half kilos on my seated deadlifts. Yeah, we're working up towards 100, but we need to start changing the equipment a little bit because I was using a hook that hooks onto the um, rats on my left wrist and hooks onto the bar. But actually, we're, we're I'm lifting a bit too heavy now for the hook, so I need to find a different strap. So yeah, that, i got goals there as well, so I'm doing well with that, so that's good. To a fellow straight survivor, firstly, don't give up hope. There'll be a lot of people telling you a lot of different things when you first have a stroke. There'll be the people that say, oh, yeah, I had a stroke and I'm now walking 10 miles a day or something. There'll be someone who said, but I never, who, that they, their recovery stopped after two years. Just ignore it all and just concentrate on yourself. Keep working as hard as you can. Notice the improvements. There'll always be small improvements and just don't give up hope, really. But Ride your own journey, I think, is an important piece of advice. Don't compare yourself to others. And then to a loved one is patience. It's really, really difficult for a stroke survivor to explain exactly what's going on in their brain, in their head, because often they don't understand it either. So be patient. Give them an opportunity to talk if they want to. Some people don't want to talk about it, but if they want to talk about it, then let them talk. I think patience is the biggest thing, really. And be hopeful for them as well. Don't sort of write things off. So I think hope is a major, is a big, big thing. And that's certainly been something that's kept me going a lot of the time, mm. keep, keeping hope. People will say, oh, yeah, I know someone who had a stroke and they're doing this, that and the other. But people just don't understand that two strokes are never the same and somebody's two recoveries are never going to be the same either. So I find that incredibly frustrating when you're talking to other people. Other than that, people get frustrated with tiredness, the fatigue, the newer fatigue, which is awful. And again, hit me quite late, really, but I really feel it now if I have a bad, if I have a busy, my week's busy with a gym and physio and things like that. But I can certainly feel by Thursday, Friday, I'm really starting to struggle. So the fatigue is awful, but you just need to learn to manage it, I think, is the best thing. Take the rest when you need to. Try not to overdo it, but it's easier said than done because I need to be busy as well to keep my mind from, keep my emotions in check. So my mind from wandering too much. 
Sally's stroke happened as a result of a carotid artery dissection. She now suffers from left-sided weakness and has been unable to return to work, but she continues to volunteer and help other stroke survivors and is working every day on her recovery. Thank you very much for listening. Please do recommend Stroke Stories to anybody you think it might help. And if you have a moment, rate and comment on the episodes you've heard to help us spread the word. And if you are or you know of a stroke survivor with a story to share, please get in touch via X or Instagram, where our DMs are always open. The Stroke Stories podcast is produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.